Junibo way at a guy named Jim. I was buying a property and he said, Hey, you should get your insurance license. I said, why would I do that? Like, I don't want an insurance license. I have a real yeah. estate license. And he said, well, it'd be a great way for you to make extra money. And to be really honest with you, Eric, I was just trying to appease him because I was buying a house from him. So I wanted okay. him to be happy. So sure. I was really like, you know what? If I get the license and he sells me the house, it was a great house, great opportunity for family. I'm like, I'll buy the house. So I got in the course that night and I was like, this is pretty easy. So I finished that quickly. And about two weeks, I had my insurance license. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to do with it, but I have it. Like, it's not going to hurt me. <laughs> yeah. So I said to him, I said, who do you guys actually call anyway? Because real estate, I never had leads. It was all sphere of influence, who I knew. And yeah. he handed me a stack of leads. Like, he's like, here's a bunch of people. So I started calling them. And they'd answer. I'd be like, hey, Eric. Yeah, Eric, Sean. I'm like, where do we say we're from? He's like, he told me I said that. I, I mean, no idea what I was doing. I was like, hey, you filled this thing out, bro. I need to come meet with you. And you'd be like, well, I don't, I'm like, Eric, you filled it out, dude. I just got to get the information. And I started booking appointments. He's like, how'd you know how to do that? I said, <laughs> they filled it out. What do you mean? What do I just call people and tell them what I'm doing? I go to people's houses now that don't even want me there at the state of Connecticut. This is easy. Hey, guys, I wanted to take a moment to personally invite you to join me March 2024 right here in beautiful Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I'm going to be speaking at the Conscious Investor Growth Summit. It is going to be an awesome event. And I have the honor of speaking alongside over 20 speakers on health, wealth, and mindset. This event is surely going to be pivotal for not only your year, but also your life. It would mean the world to me to connect with you. So make sure that you grab your ticket today at ConsciousInvestorGrowthSummit.com. And if you use my name, E-R-I-K, you're going to get 50% off at checkout. I hope to see you there. Keep changing the world. Sean, you're the founder and president of Family First Life. You're an author, keynote speaker. You're the host of Punch Me in the Face podcast. So much more, man. Thank you for your time, dude. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, brother. I like to kick things off by going back a bit. Like, where did you grow up? What was childhood like for you? I grew up in uh, Connecticut. Raised by my mom. My mom and dad split when I was about six. Okay. And um, so I, you know, it was a, uh, it was a very interesting childhood. You know, mm -hmm. I um have a little brother, a couple years younger than me. My mother worked three jobs. My mom worked really, really, really hard. And wow. I think probably at about ten or eleven, watching my mom work so hard. Also, it was a different time, so women yeah. weren't treated by their employer. My mom just ran around like a chick with her head cut off, did what everybody asked her to do. Mm. Had a lot of real tough times growing up financially. And um, I realized that I love my mom, love a lot of people in my family, but I wanted to do it differently. So yeah. I got to be, uh, I was getting ready to graduate high school at 17. Um, okay. I, I have been sober now 23 years. So Come on, I was in love with cocaine. I loved smoking it more than I loved sniffing it. I loved mushrooms. I loved dropping acid. I liked drinking more than everything, and I was a disaster. So wow. in my young years, I spent a lot of that time abusing substances that just made me, I don't know, help me cope, and, and, and I actually enjoyed it immensely, to be honest with you. Sure. When I graduated high school, I said to my mom, I said, hey, I'm going to join the Marines. And my mom said, no, you're not. And I went and took my ASFABs at the Connecticut Armory, and then I'm like, all right, cool, but you got to get your mom's signature. You're 17 years old. I was like, all right, cool, my mom will sign it. And my mom was like, no, you're going to go to college. I said, I don't want to go to college. And she said, you're going to go to college. And then I had an opportunity to go play college, play baseball. So I was like, all right, if I can go play sports, I'll continue to go to school. Sure. Went to a, a junior college, good baseball program, went there for a year, had a lot of fun, then transferred to a four-year school, which you've never heard of, Eastern Connecticut State University. I had, had enrolling admission, which means if you applied, you got in. Had a okay. good baseball program, then played there for about a year. Um, still loved cocaine more than I loved baseball. Mm -hmm. And um, I just kind of partied my way through college, but I did change my major. I was a business major for about, 
six months my freshman year. My real my second year in college was my freshman year there, my first year there rather. And um, my issue, Eric, was all the people that were teaching the business courses weren't businessmen and women. Yeah. And so I went to the, actually, ironically, the the advisor I had. She is now a university president in Connecticut. I said I don't like the program, and she said why? I said because none of you are in the field. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, you know what? Pick an industry or pick a, a a program where that's not true. So I went and became a social work major. So okay. social work major, got done with college, went to the police academy for about four months. The problem is police academy is four and a half months, and they threw my ass out. They should have. I was out of control. I was excited. I was violent. I was uh, probably everything you didn't want to have a guy with a gun and handcuffs to be. And gotcha. uh, then I worked with abused, neglected children for 14 years in the state of Connecticut, and I started my entrepreneurial journey. So that's, that's my upbringing, where I grew up, and how it all got started. Come on, man. Wow, dude, what a journey you've been on, dude. I, I was the, the same in high school, lots of acid mushrooms, and, and yeah. played baseball for 12 years, man, and, and chose weed yeah. over my, my baseball my senior year, man, and really just start, stopped playing at that point. And uh, man, a, a crazy journey. I, I, I'm glad that you're at where you're at today, man. I'm 18 plus years sober now myself. And congrats, um, bro. It's a big deal, you. man. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Uh, you you launched your life insurance company around 2013, right? You've been extremely successful with that. Like, why did you decide to get into the life insurance side of things? And what was the most unexpected challenge that you ran into in the early days? Yeah, man. I, I so when I was at a when I was a working for the state of Connecticut, I had a boss, Jim, great okay. guy. And uh, about my 10th year, he pulled me aside, and, and I had gotten my real estate license as well. Oh, wow. And Jim had said to me, you have to stop meeting with these contractors during your work hours. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. but I'm like, I'm doing it part-time. <laughs> He's like, I know you got all your work done. He said, let me give you some advice. Go chase whatever it is you're chasing. Because while you love your job, it's, it's not what you're chasing. Um, yeah. I probably would have remained a social worker, but to be really honest with you, I had new bosses that came in. I was really good at my job. Mm -hmm. Like I had been through shit. I knew how to talk to people. It's hard to bullshit me. And I also had no fear of anything but God. So like if you were effed up, I had no problem asking you. If your yeah. husband was a crackhead, I told you kick the fucking crackhead out. Sure. You know, if you beat on your kid, I don't like I could deal with all that. Yep. I had a new boss and she had never been in the field at all. It started giving me really bad advice and put kids in danger. Wow. And I was like, I didn't work here to put kids in danger. Like mm -hmm. I ain't taking kids out of good homes, putting them into foster homes where they're going to get eaten alive when they can't handle them. I, I just wouldn't do it. So I, I probably left that more because I, of what was happening with the job. I was in the real estate business, did that yeah. full time. In 2008, the market, people say to me, oh, the market crashed. That's why you got out of it. Well, the market did decline or crash, but some people stayed in it. Yeah, I got out of it because I wasn't prepared for the correction. Mm -hmm. I tend to take responsibility for shit I go through too. Like the market corrected, but a lot of people made more money. I didn't. I was looking for something else. <clears throat> at a guy I was, I owned at that time, I accumulated hundreds of uh, apartment buildings over the years. So I'd done pretty well in real estate while I was working. And, but I still kept my job the entire time I kept my job. I loved my gotcha. job. And I, I don't think it was a security. I just loved my job. Like I made more money in any individual house than I did working there a year. And June of 08, a guy named Jim, I was buying a property and he said, Hey, you should get your insurance license. I said, why would I do that? Like, I don't want insurance license. I have a real yeah. estate license. And he said, well, it'd be a great way for you to make extra money. And to be really honest with you, Eric, I was just trying to appease him because I was buying a house from him. So I wanted okay. him to be happy. So sure. I was really like, you know what? If I get the license and he sells me the house, it was a great house, great opportunity for family. I'm like, I'll buy the house. So I got in the course at night and I was like, this is pretty easy. So I finished that quickly. And about two weeks, I had my insurance license. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to do with it, but I have it. Like, it's not going to hurt me. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I said to him, I said, who do you guys actually call anyway? Because real estate, I never had leads. It was all sphere of influence, who I knew. And yeah. he handed me a stack of leads. Like He's like, here's a bunch of people. So I started calling them. And they'd answer. I'd be like, hey, Eric. Yeah, Eric, Sean. I'm like, where do we say we're from? He's like, he told me I said that. I, I mean, no idea what I was doing. I was like, hey, you filled this thing out, bro. I need to come meet with you. And you'd be like, well, I don't, I'm like, Eric, you filled it out, dude. I just got to get the information. And I started booking appointments. He's like, how'd you know how to do that? I said, <laughs> They filled it out. What do you mean? What do I just call people and tell them what I'm doing? I go to people's houses now that don't even want me there at the state of Connecticut. This is easy. Yeah. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to try it for a week or two. I'd done real estate for a while. And I was like, damn, this is easy. And I like it. Like mm -hmm. I really enjoyed me, you know, helping people out. And uh, so I worked for another guy for five years. I, I quit my state of Connecticut job after about a year in life insurance, got out of real estate, kept what I had, made it passive, had somebody run it. And then I'm like, you know, I'm going to give this thing a go. I'm really going to give it a run. And uh, for five years, I learned a lot about the industry, but I most importantly learned that I didn't like the situation I was in. So I went to the guy that was running the company. I was like, hey, bro, you're going to have to renegotiate my deal because I'm like, I allegedly do the best out of everybody here numerically, but I ain't making no real money. Like, I need a different deal. Yeah. You don't have to give everybody a different deal, but I need a different deal. And he said yes. And then when I got, I always tell people, everybody, a lot of people, I, I always called it liquid courage. A lot of people got a lot of things to say to you when they're drinking. They wouldn't yeah. say to you when they're sober and they wouldn't say to you when they're fucking face to face either but they get on the phone and they're tough so yeah, totally. face to face he was cool you know he calls me a while back and after you know i get home and he's like i'm not going to change any of those things and don't ask me again i was like all right cool so i decided that moment in time i'm going to launch my own company didn't know what to do didn't understand how to set it up but i knew that i wanted to do it differently so december 12 2013 um we launched family first life me and a dozen people first year i got a contract i said the insurance company how much volume do i need to do they said you need to issue 10 million to stay open for us to have a contract. I was like, all right, then 10 million it is. Well, actually I said to the guy, 10 million by myself or my entire company. He said, you can send 10 million by yourself. I said, if I got to sell it, I, whatever I got to do, I'll do it. Yeah. First year we did 12 million this past year on our 10th year, we did about 700 million in paid premium. Our goal next year is a billion, oh. 30,000 agents across the country. And I'll tell you real quick, the single big, I'll get to the, the biggest challenge, what yeah. it was. The biggest challenge early on was I didn't work hard enough to seek people that had the knowledge that I needed. Mm. I decided that I had a work ethic, good attitude. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure it out. Yeah. And the information was everywhere. People dying to mentor people in the business. People had been around for a very long time. And I reached out. So I didn't do that early on. I reached out to a guy that's been a phenomenal mentor to me. Yes, he's I don't, what is his net worth? I get it. A billionaire. He's fine. Sure. He's awesome. He's great. Dude, that doesn't matter to me what he's done and how he's changed people's lives. And he said to me, Sean, you have to run your company with, with a three-legged stool approach. And I said, all right, well, explain that. And he'd been in the mm -hmm. insurance business for years. He said, number one, every decision you make has to be great for the client. And I was like, okay, I can do that. That's easy. Number two, every decision you make has to be great for your agent that works with you. He said, and the last one, which gets a lot of people is number three, it can't harm the company. So a lot of people go one way, like they make all decisions for themselves they are selfish. Everything's about the company. We keep all the money. We don't care about anybody else. We don't care how we sell. And then nobody's loyal to them and they all quit. And eventually the company implodes. Or yeah. I do everything for everybody else. And I make decisions that financially harm the company with no company. I can't help you anyway. So I never forgot that. So early on, my biggest challenge was not getting the right people around me. Mm. And when I realized I needed a great accountant, a great attorney, and definitely somebody great in the compliance side that changed my entire life. But I just became a lot more vulnerable, a lot more open to going, hey, you know what? I don't know. 
Yeah. I work hard and smart. I'll figure a lot of things out. I don't know. I need y'all's help. And mm. uh, that was my biggest challenge early on. Man, it's so important to ask for help and, and be around the right people. Uh, when I spoke with Ed Milet on my podcast, like one of the things he talks about was like, hey, get around people that are living life that you want to live, essentially, right? Like if you're walking around at 75 degrees, go walk, find guys that are wa walking around at 120, right? So important. Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Thank you to Tracy down at Tranquil Turn Massage in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Look, my wife and I, we see Tracy and her team every single month for a couple's massage, and it is the best thing. Tracy is a master massage specialist and a Hanu Ashiatsu trainer. You need to reach out to Tracy and her team. Make sure that you tell them that I sent you, and you'll get 25 bucks off your next massage. Also, while you're there, check out CDA Brows, Body, and Ink. Make sure to tell Tracy that I sent you, and you'll save 100 bucks on your next tattoo brows and plasma tightening services. On your entrepreneurial journey since launching your business there, like what was the first big scary thing that you did that got you on the path that you're on today? My back in the day or with insurance? Uh, with insurance. I mean, dude, I, I mean, I launched a company December 12th. I got sued first week of January. Oh and my I've gosh. never really been, you know what I mean? Like I got in a lot of trouble growing up, but it would yeah. be like partying, drugs, fighting guys. Um, but I'd never been sued. And mm. I think... The funny thing was I got sued in state and federal court in a few different states, actually. Wow. And what 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 was weird about it is I didn't give a shit. Okay. So it was like yeah. 30 of us that got sued. <laughs> and I, I, I think for the first time in my life, I was like, wow, like, I genuinely don't give a shit. Like, mm. meaning, like, I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah. I work hard. This dude's trying to emotionally paralyze me. And I genuinely don't care. Yeah. They handed me 100 and some odd pages. They served me. I didn't have an attorney. I ordered lunch. I called around law firms, couldn't find anybody to, to, to retain for less than $100,000 retainer. They want me to agree to this amount of money up front. I launched a company with like 700 bucks. Sure. Found a law firm out of Alabama. Double good. I was very upfront with them about what I did or didn't have. I still work with them to this day. Come and on. they said, well, why should we work with you? I said, number one, I, I said, I, I will, if I owe you the money, I will pay you. Here's how I'm going to build a company. Here's why it's going to work. And number two, I will get sued a lot because I'm always going to be aggressive. I'm always going to work hard. So I'm probably going to be your best client you've ever had in your life. And we still talk to, I talked to him this morning, you know, um, that was a big, but what I realized is the people around me, it really bothered them. Mm. And, and I was like, damn, like, and then I had to be understanding. It's not like I was, there's minimizing. I, I'm not ignorant. But if, sure. if you, if something happens, Eric, and you can't control it, why focus on the energy on it? Right. All I can do yep. is keep moving. I, I hire people, I deal with it and keep going to work. And I realize in America, big people always want to slow small people down. That's the way yep. it works. I, I got in a waste management business and I learned that real early on. Like, damn, I didn't think this thing through. Like, where am I going to dump everything? And I'm mm. in this damn business. Somebody asked me the other day, is it really the way people explain it to be because people watch all these movies and they talk about organized crime. And I said, well, first of all, let me explain something to you. If the mafia was alive and well, Sammy, the bull would be dead. So like, he's not, and it's fine. I'm glad he's not. I want everybody to be healthy, but you, when you run on that many people and you walk around in public, it there's like, it's not the way it used to be, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, let's be honest, but yeah. I did realize there was a lot of old school family relationships and the way it was run and all I know is I dumped all my stuff in an incinerator that everybody in the public could use. And six months later, it was burnt to the ground. That's wow. all I know. And then all yeah. of a sudden, I had to go to those guys. So I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know if it was a bad episode of Goodfellas or not. But I did learn that I hadn't done the research. 
and I mm. didn't have the in with the people. But all I ever wanted to do when things went bad was learn from it. And I knew yeah. all that. And also, I was never motivated by the money. Mm-hmm. And I, and a lot of people say that and and they're not telling the truth. Like, I'm not. I don't want to be broke. I want to do well by my kids. I want to provide. I want to give back. But it's not the gauge for me. It doesn't spin me up. Like, why most people get messed up when they go through litigation is they think about the money. Yeah. What it's going to cost them. Because most of them aren't. I mean, do the attorneys do everything anyway? It's just they're worried about what it's going to cost them. And I'm like, okay, but that money doesn't, that doesn't, money don't control me. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm hard to screw with. Money doesn't control me. I want to feed my business and scale it. And every time I focus on doing the right thing and don't focus on money, I make more money anyway. So, right. so why would I do that? So early on, that was a watching other people go through it and then having to have empathy because when I was like, dude, why do you care? That didn't work out very well either. So I had this very middle ground of, hey, dude, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to move forward. It's funny because one of the things I learned was I would tell them, don't, if you have a question for the attorney, ask me. Because every time you talk to them, it costs us so much per hour. And I always gave them the information. But the attorney's good legal advice is to do nothing. I mean, after I got sued, I got a restraining order, federal restraining order said I couldn't work anymore. And my attorney's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to violate that. Yeah, And then deal with the hearing. Like, we're too far in now, dude. I mean, like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, yeah. I actually don't think we'll be in violation. At least we'll be able to explain it to the court. We're not doing anything wrong. Like, we're not doing anything wrong. We're just working, you know? And yeah. I realized that for me, it was, uh, it, it became a crusade. And then I mm. think when you find people that are, that are working hard for other people and working hard for themselves, sometimes, you know, an old mentor say to me, he was a, my football coach, he said, Sometimes you fuck with the wrong guy and he actually goes outside with you and whoops right. your ass. You know, everybody, everybody's ready for everybody's ready to go outside till it's time to actually go outside. So um, right. that was, I learned a lot though. I learned a lot about case law and litigation and, and tried to stay focused in the business, but it made me grow mm. up as a businessman really fast. Sure. Oh yeah. man. So crazy, man. I want to talk about your awesome podcast, dude. It's called Punch Me in the Face. If I was doing my research right, it looked like you launched just in January of this year, uh, 2023. Love the name. People need to be listening to the show. It's so good. Uh, For those who don't know about your show, like what's your show focus on? Like, why did you decide to start the podcast? Well, first of all, thanks for that, man. I appreciate it. And I appreciate your platform. And, you know, I get a lot of people ask if I will jump on something. I watched about nine minutes of what you do. And I was like, dude, I'll def- definitely do that. He's great. So I appreciate oh, you. what you're doing. I appreciate your journey. Um, you know, man, I'll be really straight up, brutally honest with you. You know, I never could find the right information online. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't disseminate between fact and fiction. And that was hard for me. So I ended up finding just people in my industry that were successful, right? Like, and when I see the success they have, like, I look how big a... a most of the people you're going to talk to in the insurance business have never thought about doing anything that's a billion dollars a year. Yeah. And a lot of them have a lot bigger names than I do. And that's okay. Like, that's not what I want to do it for. But I started looking at the podcast. And I'm like, you know, listen, I have information to offer. I've made a ton of mistakes. Um, I've learned a lot about business. I want to share everything I know. Like, I have nothing to not share. Like, here's all these things. Because the people succeed in other industries, I'm excited. If your podcast does better, that's awesome. Like, there's a lot of room for all of us to win. And I, this whole scarcity mindset freaked me out. So there's people that they've let me on their podcast. And then I'm like, hey, and they're like, you can't get back on. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, well, you know, you're like my subscribers. I'm like, first of all, dude, you're not even that good. That's not my fault. Second of all, I'm not that good. So relax, but calm down. Your insecurity is freaking me out. So I, I really was more by accident. I had a guy say, you should do it. 
And yeah. then I was going to call it a different name. And then a buddy of mine who I do some work with was like, dude, why don't you call it punch me in the face? Like everything you talk about is getting whacked in the face, getting back up. None of it's super polished or super, oh my God. It's just, if you'll just keep freaking grinding, then you're going to win. And and yeah. if you can keep that, just, you know, I was in, I was in church this past Sunday and pastor Scott said, uh, he was talking about getting out of Egypt, going to the promised land. And I ain't no pastor. I'm just trying to do better every day. Yep. I try to get myself to the promised land. That's all I'm trying to do. But he talked about three things. I'm not going to preach to you. But the last thing he talked about why the journey went from 30 days to 40 years was God couldn't stand the grumbling. Mm. The Lord was so just put off by the complaining, the venting. And, and I realized if I could just help people get perspective. So, you know, I had a guy on the podcast the other day. I've, I haven't, he's, I've worked with him 15 years ago. And I said, tell me something you remember from 15 years ago. He said, I called you up one day. I talked about my financial situation. I went on and on and on. He said, you listened to me for about five minutes. You said, are you dying of cancer? And he goes, no, of course I'm not. And then I, I said, well, then shut the fuck up. Shut the yeah. fuck up. Go to work. Yeah. Because here's the other thing. I don't know everything, but I was never, when people told me all these things I was supposed to be afraid of when I was younger, the one thing that I heard from enough adults was, if you complain about something that's not worth complaining about, be careful. God might actually give you something legitimately to complain about. And I was like, all right, I'm good, dude. Like, wait yeah. a minute. That means if I'm going to like sit around and whine because of traffic or something didn't show up on time or, oh my, like, uh-uh, I'm not going out that way. So I think the podcast is really, it's empowering. Mm -hmm. And also I'm a, it's got a big sales approach to an entrepreneurship that's worked really well for me. I've been very good in sales everywhere I've went. I don't think it's because I'm act like some crazy good salesman. I don't have cute techniques to teach you. I don't say stuff like, you know, my, you know, I'm going to teach somebody to, to snow cones to Eskimos and catch up to what that's just dumb. I don't want to do any yeah. of that, but I, I teach people the psychology of what people think. My undergraduate degrees in psychology, my master's degree is criminal justice and psychology. I enjoyed it. I love people. I want to see them win. I want to see them grow. And honestly, I was just a lot, lot of the stories I was tired of, you know, I, mm -hmm. It's like everybody wants to have the same story, except they're making it up a lot. Man, I just had my father on a podcast. I had talked to my father in a few years. And wow. um, I reached out to him like three years ago. We hadn't talked at all. And uh, and I had him on a podcast now twice since, which is weird because I never know what it's going to say. Like he can say something mortifying. Like I don't give a shit, but I, I just don't have any idea what he's going to say. Sure. And um, <laughs> But it's but it's it's just cool because that's kind of brought that part of my life too. And, and mm -hmm. talking to people about that, like how many men are out there because we're stubborn. Mm -hmm. They got a father, you know, every, every man and every son. Do you have children? Yeah. 14 and 10, man. 14, 10. Are boys or girls? Uh, oldest is a girl. Youngest is a son. Okay. So good news about your son. You'll go through three phases. Every father and son. Yep. First phase is he's going to idolize you. It's probably where he is now. Yeah. Then he's going to demonize you. Mm -hmm. Then he will humanize you again. Mm -hmm. You're his idol because he doesn't know any better. Then all of a sudden you're the, you're dynamic demonic right. because like anything you say is wrong then it'd be like my dad's just a human being my dad's not a superhero so it's really and and i kind of i heard that one day from a guy and i was like dude that's so true mm -hmm. and then i started listening to other people and researching i'm like god I, my son's 20 but you just watch when you, you go through that so i think that just to give people like you know the internet and social media they're dangerous places to be because i know a lot of these people you know what i mean yeah. a lot of the people out there they're, they they don't have what they say they have and, and, mm -hmm. you know, I went on one recently where the guy asked about all these people. He never put it out, which I would have been fine if he did. But he's like, what do you think about this guy? And I was just honest about all of it. Like, I don't, and I'm not doing it to hate on anybody, but I want to be honest. Like, if this guy makes money in real estate by taking your money, I'm going to tell you. Yep. 
that's if that's what he does and there's a fund and he gives you a tiny bit of money on your money he's not helping you he's just stealing your money i'm okay saying that you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and i think that i just there's so many people out there looking for something and i know i was dying for mentorship and i found it in some of the wrong places you know Mm -hmm. i spent some money on some of the classes and courses and i spent 10 grand to go to meetings that didn't and then I found people that I ingratiated myself to through my hard work and my willingness to learn and shut my mouth. And those were free. It was just my time. And then I realized they really wanted to do it. So that's what punched me in the face came in, man. I wrote a book because it was like, you know, why not? And yeah. I, I feel real good about that. We're working on some other stuff. I did a show called The Millionaire Maker, which we did just to play around, put on YouTube. And then like, we're meeting with a lot of people about that. That worked out a lot better than I thought it would. So it's, um, and I think part of it is, you know, just doing the work. Yeah. Like, like for me, you know, you're trying to build your brand. Eric, you have a good following. It's going to be better. You're a good dude. You ask good questions. You're intentional. Like your attitude's right. But dude, more people you connect with. Somebody said to me, how do I start? I said, get on everything you can. Yeah. Just get on everything you can do. I mean, it's all you can do is get on every single thing you can and see what happens. You're going to put stuff out. And, you know, it's like, like YouTube, you know, we're, we're finally like, you're seeing the traction, but it's, it's a grind dude. And yeah, knowing your numbers, if people yep. don't watch it, they don't interact. They don't like it. Right. And that's hard sometimes. And then you're kind of shifting gears. And I was talking to a guy yesterday, we're doing a meeting and every week we get together and I'm like, give me all the stuff that I'm, that's not working. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like, what's not working. And they're like, well, the shorts are great. And this happened, but then, and I'm like, dude, but I'd rather talk about it for three, four minutes and y'all edit it. than me try to stay in night. Like, I just know where I'm good and where I'm not. And yeah. I spent a lot of time working on where I'm not good. And I think mm-hmm. the whole punch me in the face strategy is that's what life's about. Yeah. But most of the people I see find the one thing they're good at. They want to live in that because it's safe. Nobody tell them anything wrong. They didn't do anything wrong ever. They're not messed up. They're not, they, they're perfectionists. They have no issues at all. And I just kind of want to go through life like a, like a big old train wreck trying to get better every day. And then, uh, you know, be an imperfect person, helping a bunch of imperfect people. Yeah. Oh, so good, dude. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I started podcasting in 2017, I had no idea what I was doing. I was in a walk-in closet, man, and bad microphone, bad lighting. And, you know, I was asking MMA fighters, why the heck do you want to get punched in the face? Like that was my only, like I started MMA podcast when I first started and, uh, you know, it's been such a journey and awesome relationships have come out of it. Trips have come out of it, like partnerships, yeah. collaborations, and I love connecting with people. And so podcasting, man, it's such a great way to connect with people and, uh, have great conversations with folks like yourself, man. And uh, man, Sean, you're an absolute world changer, man. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day, man. I really appreciate you. Dude, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll leave you because you said the MMA thing. I had a buddy, I have a buddy of mine lives 10 minutes from me named Charles Rosa. He's a UFC guy, been around a okay. long time. Big dude, stud, great career. And I just went and watched him fight in Connecticut. And they have all these other MMA groups. Like Sean Merriman's a great friend of mine, lights yeah. out extreme, unbelievable, great dude. And uh, I said, Charles, what's the difference between the UFC and all? Because when I watch him, Charles, these guys are all really talented. Mm-hmm. And like all of them. And he said, I'll tell you what. He's like, and I fought. He's fought all over the world. And you look him up. If you don't know him, he's great. Boston Strong, Charles Rosa. Great guy to have on your show, by the way. He would do it. He's awesome. Nice. And um, he said, the difference is when you go to these other deals and look at the percentage of people that tap out. Like they're very talented. They're badass fighters, but them dudes in the UFC, they will die. Like Mm. they literally will, most of them lose their life in that ring. Like they're willing to lose it. 
Yep. He's like, so they don't tap, watch the percentage. And I went, everything I went, like tap, tap, tap. You have see these guys are breaking arms, snapping shit, ripping stuff off, and they're still fighting. And I think right? in life, we don't have to do that. But no. what if we just got ourselves here Come on. where we endured more than the average person? Mm-hmm. We said, you know what? The average guy and girl can endure this. Let's endure this. The average mm-hmm. guy and girl needs to sleep this much. I can get away with this. They need this yeah. much of a break. I can do. They can only overcome this much adversity. So I love what you're doing, man. I love your message, and I love you letting me get on, bro. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate it. I hope that my guest was able to bring you some amazing wisdom and knowledge to help you continue to fight for your goals, your dreams, and your purpose. If you could do me one big favor and just hit that subscribe button, I would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Keep changing the world. I believe in you. Have an amazing day.